0: I'm Marian kobusak mcgee Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. I'm here at the HIMSS Privacy and Security Forum in Boston talking to Kevin Fu, Chief Scientist at Verda Labs and Associate Professor at the University of Michigan. Kevin's going to be talking to us a little bit about some of the trends that he's expecting to see when it comes to cybersecurity and medical devices in 2016. Now, Kevin... What do you think are going to be some of the top trends we're going to see in 2016 when it comes to cybersecurity and medical devices?
1: I see two trends for the coming year. One is I think we we will continue to see devices being affected by product advisories or potentially even recalls at FDA. But also I think we're still going to have malware as one of the leading problems, garden-variety malware affecting medical devices.
0: Now, typically, what sorts of malware do you see showing up on these devices? And is it because we have a lot of legacy devices that are running old operating systems? What are the issues?
1: Exactly. A lot of it is about our old legacy stuff. This, this is sort of basic hand-washing problems. There's a large amount of old equipment, old software, and naturally, uh, they're susceptible to old malware. So malware from 10 years ago doesn't get into too many places except hospitals.
0: So what are your recommendations on that?
1: Well, there are a few recommendations. One is prevent these kinds of problems if you can. But on devices where it's very difficult to modify and you cannot prevent it, then the next best thing is to detect it. And so uh, we recommend detection mechanisms to make sure that you keep up to date with the changing threat landscape. So
0: when it comes to hospitals, large medical centers, what's your sense of how aware they are about the cyber risks that the medical devices potentially present to them?
1: I see a lot of uh, variation. There are some hospitals that are very uh, top of the line, very aware of the risks, and um, I think making some very wise risk-based decisions on what to do. On the other hand, you'll have some facilities where um, perhaps IT shops and the biomedical shops uh, don't have a very uh, strong relationship, and and I think in those hospitals are where we're likely to see more problems because of the human element of um, communication breakdown, basically, and uh, misunderstanding of different perspectives on what we all want, and that's better patient outcomes.
0: Now, how are the medical device vendors doing in terms of their approach to cybersecurity? Is this becoming something that they're becoming more proactive in addressing?
1: I think medical device companies are becoming much more uh, aggressive at cybersecurity. Now, again, there's a lot of variation. I still hear about companies who can't spell password, but there are also a lot of companies that are doing some pretty amazing things. So with our Archimedes Center for Medical Device Security, we've doubled the number of training events we have for medical device manufacturers where we train the engineers how to incorporate security engineering into their product development. So I'm pretty happy to hear about that because it means the devices that are going to be coming out in the future are going to have better security built in rather than baked on after the fact.
0: So now when it comes to baking in or building in better security, what in particular do these device manufacturers need to address that they're not addressing?
1: Well, I think the biggest part is, again, it's it's really low-hanging fruit. It's really simple stuff like outlining your cybersecurity risks. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, but it does need to be done. So, for instance, taking an inventory of what's inside your medical device, what's at risk, and what are the possible ways it could fail from a cybersecurity perspective. A lot of people, even very smart people, omit this step, and they immediately start just buying technologies, throwing things at the wall, seeing what sticks. That's a very haphazard way. The the companies that I see are being more effective are the ones that have integrated cybersecurity into their sort of risk management framework.
0: Now, earlier today you had mentioned that, for instance, radiologists might demand to use a particular software or products that might pose some risk, but they want to use these products because it helps in their treatment or care or diagnosing of patients. What's your advice to organizations when it comes to sort of balancing that whole conflict between patient care and then what the clinicians want versus what sort of risks there may be for you know network security or the environment or maybe even the safety of patients when it comes to
1: cybersecurity. So that that was a very interesting story we heard this morning about a hospital where a linear accelerator that was chosen perhaps with some old software because it's believed it had uh, it would lead to better patient outcomes, but it becomes a nightmare in terms of security. I think that's a classic conflict that needs to be resolved. So at least at Virta Labs, that's sort of like the the perfect scenario for what we look at. That's a case where you, you basically aren't going to be able to prevent security problems if you've chosen this product that is perhaps... Uh, Better for patients, but with less security. So then the only tenable approach is to at least detect problems. So that's why we have this power outlet, this smart power outlet that detects malware, because it means you don't have to modify the product at all uh, in order to add a little bit of security.
0: So now you mentioned the FDA and alerts. They had an alert earlier this year about advising hospitals to discontinue use of a certain Vendors and fusion pumps, because of the possibility of certain vulnerabilities turning into cyber risks, and maybe the ability for someone unauthorized to ta- take control of a product. Do you think we'll see more of those alerts? And how how big is the gap between these being sort of these demonstrated scenarios of what could happen and what might actually end up happening in within hospitals or healthcare
1: settings? So it's hard to predict, but I I think you're going to see more of these product advisories only because, you know, nobody likes to talk about it in public, but the fact is we, we have a lot of legacy equipment where security just wasn't part of the early design requirements. And that's nobody's fault. That's just the way the thinking used to be. So you're likely to see other medical devices, bedside devices being affected because if it's as easy as breaking down an open door, well, now that our doors are all connected to the internet or have pathways to the internet, it becomes a significant hazard that could affect patients safety.
0: What's your best advice for healthcare organizations right now when it comes to medical device, cybersecurity, and their planning for 2016?
1: I think the providers need to think sort of in multiple prongs. One prong is the purchasing prong, making sure that when you purchase medical devices, you demand appropriate security. There's some great advice out there from the Mayo Clinic and MDIS on some procurement language to help hospitals express what they really need in terms of cybersecurity to the vendors. The other prong is detection and so that's why we literally use a power prong for detection. If you can't prevent the problem, you at least need to detect it so that you can be aware of the shifting uh, risk landscape. If there are no threats coming, then maybe you're fine, but if the threats start coming, it gets detected and that means you'll have to change the behavior maybe your hospital policies.
0: Thanks, Kevin. I've been speaking to Professor Kevin Fu. I'm Marianne Kolbacek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.